Empower Radio presents Art as Worship with Vanessa Lowry. Welcome to Art as Worship. Each week we feature stories of artists and explore their process of creation. I'm your host, Vanessa Lowry, and I'm thankful that you're joining me. On this show, I talk with artists of various faiths, working in a wide range of mediums, on the common theme of how they use inspiration and creativity as an expression of their spirituality. Learn how their art is an expression of their own connection to however they name God, Jehovah, Allah, Source, the Universe, the Great Mystery, or something else. My hope is that these stories will inspire your creative efforts and your own spiritual expression. My guest today is Asha Lightbearer. She's been writing and performing music since the age of six. The most asked question she gets is, from what tribe are you? The answer is none officially, although she does participate in activities with the Thunderbird Nation, a mixed group of Native American and non-Native people who believe in ceremony and the sacredness of the ancestors, the earth, and the Great Spirit. Asha graduated from Capital University with a degree in jazz studies. In addition to performing, she's a certified alchemical hypnotist, I'm I'm sure I'm not saying that right, (laughs) and believes strongly in working with others, teaching them tools to make their lives more peaceful, happy, and fulfilling, and helping them to remember the beauty of who they really are. She has one son and is committed to family life and teaching him the values of honesty, integrity, and fun. Welcome, Asha. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's wonderful having you here. So you started um, with a love of music very young. How How did you decide that that was something you wanted to do? Do you remember? I don't know that it quite went that way. Okay. I re- all I remember is that, um, well, my mom, it's funny because my mom always says that even when I was in utero, if she'd start playing piano, I'd settle down. Oh, wow. um, you know, obviously that's not my memory, but the one thing I do remember is being six years old and my grandmother gave me this little play organ and I was playing Edelweiss by ear on the organ one day and a local piano teacher heard me because she was downstairs visiting my mother. And that was pretty much the beginning. She's like, uh, do you realize what she's doing? <laughs> and so they, I ended up in piano lessons for many years. And um, and then it just kind of escalated there. I, I knew I loved to sing. And, and I started, I remember writing songs when I was, yeah, six and seven years old, scoring my first songs and that sort of thing. So I think you're born with it. Maybe you just, it's when you love something, you just know you love it. And it just doesn't stop. And if you stop, it usually creates some kind of pain in your life. So, so did, when you started taking piano lessons, did you enjoy the lesson part of it as well? Um, it's hard to remember that far back. I do know that I loved my first piano teacher and, um, that I don't remember that much, honestly. I do know, I remember, this is like the, the war story of, oh, it was six feet of snow and I walked barefoot. But <laughs> seriously, when I was six years old, I, we didn't have a piano. We were very poor. And I would get off the bus and walk um, about three quarters of a mile up to a neighbor's house with their kids and borrow their piano in the playroom to practice. And then my mom would come get me afterwards. So... I mean, I definitely was committed. I just really, really wanted it. That's awesome. So I know you've got an album that came out in March. Can you tell us a little bit about your album? Yes, I'd love to. It's called Move Ahead, uh, the Ascension album. And I never thought in a million years I'd ever release an album. I did not ever imagine this would ever be my path. I just thought it was something I liked. And um, But I got brave enough to share my original music some years ago, very late in my life. I mean, not that long ago. And then 
when I did, my knees would literally shake. I would be so scared because, you know, when you're writing, that is like, for me, it's part of my soul. And if somebody doesn't like that, they don't like me. And I was very fragile then. And, um, but people would make comments and say, oh, do you remember that three years ago? Some random person at a, at a conference saw me again. She's like, that was the highlight of my weekend. And I thought, what? And then people would be lined up to, for buying albums after a performance. And I was like, what? I don't, what? And then I realized maybe I should, maybe this is a gift and it's not just to heal myself. Maybe it helps others and I'm supposed to be doing this. And through a lot of, you know, I do alchemical hypnosis and other healing work for many, many years. And through a lot of work, I finally became brave enough to try it on and do it for myself. And that has been a huge, huge journey. That's what the album is a lot about. It's a lot of, um, of writing. Uh, for me, it was very healing. So how does your spirituality find expression in your art? Um, I don't think you can separate them. Uh, for me, spirituality is about, let's not call it spirituality. For me, let's call it um, uh, being in connection with Source is about really getting into remembering who you are and healing and and getting into an expression of wholeness as opposed to feeling unwhole. And so with all the work that I'd done, music is just really an extension of that. I used to go at midnight, and I remember sitting down and writing to get the pain out of my body and out of my psyche of emotional upset and trauma and divorce and, you know, all of those things that, it, that were happening. And um, to me, that is, you know, spirituality is anything that connects you to something greater, anything that brings you into healing and wholeness and, and a feeling of mm, oneness and, and being like full. And so that's what music does for me. I remember even in high school being in, in this choir isn't even really my thing. But then I did a lot of choirs and being in this choir and singing this one song. And it was some classic, you know, literature. And I remember this moment of being so full up, you know, just full. There's no other word. I was thinking about how to describe it. There is no other word. And to me, that's what music does when it brings up that emotion and it brings up the joy and it brings up the tears and and you feel different, that's, that's part of spirituality to me. So do you get the same feeling from creating the music, writing the songs, and composing the songs as you do from performing the songs? No, I don't. In fact, um, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a different process, you know. Um, and it's very easy when you're performing to get all up in your head and forget why you're doing it. So it's really every time it's like, okay, God, universe, whatever you want to call it, I use mixed esoteric practices, so I'm kind of flexible on that. But it's like, all right, just, you know, let me be a clear channel for whatever can come through me, through my experience to whoever needs to hear it today. So I, I try to really just be in the music when I'm performing. Um, now, when I'm writing, though, it does come in differently. There's two ways that I write, which is um, primarily two ways. Okay, there's many more ways than that now that I think about it, but I'll sit down at my keyboard and I'll just start playing. And it just kind of comes through. And it's like, yeah. And then you feel, yeah. And then you have this um, sense of mm, like connection to the music. It's like, 
it feels you and you feel it at the same time. So performing is about getting back to that, right? Or sometimes I literally will take my little hand recorder and I'll lay on my, um, I have a massage table that I use for um, energy work sometimes for people. And I would take my little recorder and I would lay down on the table and I would just start singing. And you have to turn your editor off. You can't uh, think and be in your head, as I said. So, you know, and it just starts coming through and I hear it. Yeah, I like that. And when I'm writing, I know I've got something good when it brings tears to my eyes or when I feel that moment of um, it's just a feeling. I can't really explain it, unfortunately. Um, but they so are. So, do different. you start with the melody or do you start with the lyrics? It depends. See, sometimes I'll sit with my keyboard and I just start playing the keyboard. And as I'm making the chord pro- progressions happen and I'm moving on the keyboard and I hear a rhythm or a feel or a wave or a progression that I like, then I just will start humming. I just hear it. It's like it just falls in my head. And like I'll wake up in the morning and I'll run for my recorder because I've got it in my head. The words are there. The music is there. And I have to record it really quickly because when you're, um, let's call it channeling, you know, for lack of a better word, getting divine guidance like that, you, for me, I lose it very quickly if I don't record it because I will three hours later completely have forgotten. So then I come back and it's like, oh yeah. So right now I've got about 20 different clips (laughs) and I'll go back because I'm working on my next album already which I'm very excited about, and I'm realizing I think I already have a lot of it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But I need to go back and, and listen to the clips and then um, just find what I want to finish and what I want to work on. Well, and I was going to ask you, how do you capture things? So it sounds like the recorder is one of your best friends. You you have to have a recorder. <laughs> I mean, or if the lyrics, if I do, if I am getting lyrics, I'll write them down really quickly. Um, but without a recorder, you can lose the melody so quickly that, um, and I'm very much a melody person, very much. So that's my, you'll hear, if you listen to any of my music, um, I tend to have soaring melodies. And sometimes I'll put in some choppy stuff for fun and interest and in, in lots of words um, during the, the verses. But then I always come back to something really soaring during the chorus because, I don't know, that's just my personality, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any process that you use when you're getting ready to tap into you know, your creative source and that divine flow? Yeah, and it's different if you're making a date and you're like, okay, this is going to be the time that we're going to write. And then it's more of a let's just put on our little creative hat and think out loud and throw spaghetti at the wall, right? But lots of times when I write, it's just I need that space. I need that moment. And I just feel led and I'll go over and my keyboard is like, you know, my best friend. And I'll just go over and sit down and usually, literally, um, I'll just take a really deep breath and just let everything out of my body. And then I just start playing. And I never don't get anything. So I always get something. Do you play every day? Do you write music every day? I have not been. And in fact, since I've stepped into the business aspect, that's one of the real challenges for me is we spend so much time doing business and and, um, getting gigs and lining things up. And then you have to do all the follow-up that it really, you have to commit to um, a, what I call my daily portions of, you know, this is what I'm doing for creativity today because I have gotten very much um, sucked into the business aspect. So I'm trying to really get back into balance with that between family and writing and business. Um, 
it's a process just like anything, you know. So do you have some other things that you use for your creative portion in addition to music? Um, yeah, you know, I, I do a lot of, I am an alchemical hypnotist and, um, I get, got into that in kind of an interesting way, but I've done energy work since, um, 2000. I went to see some lady and, uh, she never laid a finger on me. And when I left, I was blown away. Like first I was exhausted and the next day I felt like a million bucks. And I was like, I don't know what happened, but I want to know. So I've been doing that for over a decade. And, um, between that and the hypnosis and all of those tools, I do a lot of journey work. You know, like you think of shamans or whatever. I do a lot of journey. Usually a shaman does the journey for the person and then they tell you what happens. Well, I actually do journey work myself with my guides and also with my clients and they take the journey themselves. That is fabulous. And really creative process is just about being open to possibility and imagination. It's like being the child. You just have to come back and not be afraid to make mistakes. You just throw the spaghetti on the wall and throw the colors on the wall, throw the music on the wall, throw the words on the wall, and then you just get excited about it and see what all comes out. But yeah, definitely um, I love uh, getting guidance and meditating because it's creative meditation for me. Right. So do you, um, do you meditate every day? Yeah, I do. And, you know, there have been points of my life where, gosh, at one point I was doing it from one to three hours a day because I was very much in a specific process that I was working on. And it feels like 20 minutes. And when you're done, you feel like, bing. (laughs) (laughs) But um, now it's more like, it's kind of, this sounds silly, but maybe nonstop. It just doesn't stop. It's like, I'm here. And then it's like, okay, let me just check in and look at this. And I just stop and see what I get. And so it's not right now. I'm not spending necessarily an hour a day or anything like that. Music is meditation. Being in life is meditation. You know, when you can just really be in the now, be present with what you're doing and let whatever it is that comes to you flow through. Well, and I think when you can get to the point that all of your life is a meditation, what a what a cool place to be. I'm working on it. <laughs> That's right. Aren't we all? <laughs> so, it is nice. Yes. So how do your ideas come to you and how do you decide which ideas you're going to pursue? Well, on my album, ironically, I, I knew that I was being guided to do the album and I had several songs already written and several blank spots. And I literally dropped in, I call it dropping in when I mm, move into that open channel stance and I said, okay, I, I know that there's a purpose of why I'm doing this. I'm being called to do this. So show me, tell me, what am I supposed to be doing? And they're like, you're going to do this. Uh, in my guides, when I say they, I mean God, my angels, my guides, my higher self, whatever you want to call it. So it's like, okay, this one goes here. This one goes here. There's 11 tracks. This goes here. This goes here. And this is this one. And... um so that one was very structured and it was very specific. And it's like, this is the way it's going to be. And there, some of it, when I was told, I was not very pleased. I was like, <laughs> oh, no, I do not believe in this and I'm not doing that. And they're like, oh, yes, you are. <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't believe in this. Why are you showing me this? I have eight songs that are virtually done or done. And I have like two to do. And you're telling me to work on this one. That is something that I don't even like what you showed me. And they're like, because this is where you have the most work to do. 
Okay, point taken. Yeah. So that's how the first album went. Now this one, I've been, you know, collecting pieces for over the, it's really started coming back in in the last two or three months. I'm getting more and more, um, you know, it comes in in dreams. It comes in when I'm just walking around. I, it just falls in my head and I record it really quickly. And so uh, while I'm progressing my style, you know, I'm still honing my style of, who I want to be, what I want to sound like, you know what I mean? Because that's a process, too. When you listen to people in their first album and their last album, you're like, whoa, I'm not sure how that happened. Yeah. But um, so I'm now I'm going to go through and listen back to some of the clips because some of them keep coming back. It's like it'll pop out of nowhere in my head. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember writing that. So I'm going to go through. I'm going to listen, and I'm just going to – you just feel your way through it. It's really – about what you want to do. I mean, that's what life is about. It's not everybody thinks, oh, I need to find my divine purpose. And they make it such a big deal. And it's like, but that's defeating the purpose. The purpose is to be light and love and happy and free and joyous. And that's your divine purpose. That's the best you can be. So really now I'm on, you know, I, I say it was wounded, healing, uh, expanding, becoming peaceful, and then now it's about creating. And I feel like that's where I'm at. I can create anything I want. And so I'm building a life I love. And it's going to look like whatever I want it to look like. And that is my divine purpose, as long as it serves others. Well, and I love that phrase that you just said of feeling your way through it. I think so many of us think we have to think our way through it. And that feeling your way through it is, is such an easier path. It is, because when people, it, it amazes me. I know so many people, including myself, who have been like, there must be a reason I'm here and what's my divine calling and God, what am I supposed to do? And it's like, all it does is make you miserable. It's like, surely that's not it. <laughs> you know? So it's like, just find what you love. And most of the time for most people, um, you know, a big point of their life that's going to make them the brightest light that they can be for everyone around them is what did you do when you were six? You know, some people have a hard time getting back to that. I didn't. So um, now it's just about, what would I love to do? Well, and you meant, we mentioned in your bio that you have a son. I do. Is he a musical? No. Well, no, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, he's all right, but that's no, he's an inventor. Okay. His creative genius is in wild imagination. And really, I'm, I'm curious to see what he really does because he doesn't love school so much, but he's always like, okay, I need to buy this and this and this because I'm going to build a jetpack. And he's very much on being, he watches all these Kip K videos and stuff and then he goes and he tries to build it. And so we'll see what he does. But yeah, music's not so much his thing. Well, that's cool that, that you're encouraging him in, in the area that he is got a creative interest yeah. and he and he loves to draw he's he's a very good artist i think he's a very good artist so how old is he now he's 11 he's 11 oh that's a cool age yeah in fact i'm gonna take him with me tomorrow we're going to a sweat um with the thunderbird nation we're gonna go to a sweat and an animal spirit dance tomorrow night and he is going to love it that's the pinnacle of my year so th is this the first time he's gone with you to one of those? yes i've never taken him most of the time these are very very intense for me lot of healing, a lot of really deep work and not a good place for him to be this year, though. I feel like it's time to share it with him and um, whatever happens, happens. So I, I think he's really I got to be the buffalo butt last year. So <laughs> sounds funny, but, you know, you wear the skins and the dance. And so, you know, I don't know if he'll get to what level he'll get to participate in, but I think he's going to love it. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, and I want to back up for just a few minutes and have you describe 
the type of hypnosis that you do because I haven't heard of that type before. Um, It's called alchemical hypnosis and alchemy is typically people think of mineral alchemy, the laboratory alchemy where the, unfortunately they often think of snake oil salesmen, you know, where they said, Oh, we're going to turn lead into gold. Well, what I do is spiritual alchemy. And so what we do is we take the spiritual lead and turn it into gold. Um, It's proven. I have a friend who's uh, a scientist at Emory, a neuroscientist, and it's proven with studies with rats that memory is um, volatile, which means that it's alive and you're not just watching like on TV. It's more like a computer file. You pull it back, you work on it, and then you restore it. And any changes you made when you restore it, go with it. And so the next time you recall it, it's whatever you saved last. So um, spiritual alchemy, we do a combination of uh, journey work and um, other techniques um, which there's so many and it's fun to talk about but not enough time uh, where you can actually pull up things trauma um, relationship difficulties things like that and um, use the creativity of the mind the imagination of the mind to rebuild the scene or to experience the, uh, a conversation with the, the person that you're working with by placing them in front of you it works like nothing else I have ever experienced and I've been dabbling in this stuff for a long time And um, what happens is after you've had that experience with that other being at like what we call, I call it soul communication or with finding the root of whatever it is you're experiencing, you're experiencing some effect that you don't like and it keeps coming up and you don't know why. We can go in and call up the root of that and look at it and understand the misperception, heal the wound, clear the negative charge, and then we restore it. The memory restore means, I guess, pun intended, right? We restore it in the subconscious, and at the same time, we restore the energy of it to something positive. You've cleared the negative charge, and now you don't react. You act with conscious uh, choice. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing tool. So can people see you for just one session and heal uh-huh. things, or do they have to come multiple times? It depends what you're working on, but I will tell you my experience is that when you come in and you work on something, you never go back at that again from the angle that you started. It's like now one thing may have 10 different angles, depending on how long you've been harboring it and, and what all is tied to it and related to it. So you could have 10 different angles. I have something that I've been working on for a long time, but I also have things that you go in and boom, it's gone. I mean, it's cleared and you can react differently from the moment that you leave. It's it's an amazing process. I love it, obviously. I mean, I just, I love it. It makes me uh, light up. It's just fun. It's pure fun. And we have fun in the sessions. And and if you're feeling your way through life, it's more, much more fun to feel things that make you feel good than feeling all those things that make you feel right angry or upset. or Right, right. And most of the time, most people don't even know what it is that makes them react or makes them have the tears or makes them have the upset or makes them have the anger. They don't know. They just know that this is how they feel when they get around this person or when this sort of situation comes up. And having a tool where you can just go in and see, ah, look what happens. And your subconscious mind has a record of everything that's ever happened to you, ever. And if you believe in in having more than one life, you know, I don't like to call it past lives. I like to call it concurrent lives mm-hmm. because, um, but I definitely believe as an infinite being and a spark of the divine, this is not the only body I've ever had. This is not the only experience I've ever had. That is, that is so small and limited and we are so much more. And, um, you know, sometimes even these things, you can see it in 
other experiences that you've had. And once you've seen that, uh, I know a lot of people don't believe in that, but you can never go back. Once you've seen it, whether it's imagination uh, and it's your subconscious finding an interesting way to talk to you or you actually believe that maybe you have other bodies and other lives, Mm -hmm. it's not relevant. It still works the same. Well, and I know you were talking earlier about the information you get from your guides, and I know people get information in different ways. So is your the information that comes to you, is it usually more visual or more audio or kinesthetic or a combination? Or? Yeah, for me, um, lots of people do have a primary medium that they receive information. For me, it's kind of a mishmash. I am very visual. When I do journey work, I often will see something. And then it unfolds the way that I don't know what you this is kind of I don't know what you know about the Akasha, but the way that the Akasha is stored is that whatever the primary sensory input was at the time that the event happened, that's what will appear first to the person doing the journey. And then the additional sensory information comes in following to build a complete picture. So sometimes I'll literally like hear a song line, like the whole thing in my head and I got to write it down and record it fast. Um, sometimes I can hear it in my head and I even have a hard time getting it back out of my mouth. It's interesting. Um, or sometimes, um, when I'm working on something, I'll see a picture of something and it's like, what is that? One time they used, uh, an image. I was working on a, a relationship with a, um, a guy that I know who's a, a very, um, long-standing friend of mine, and they showed me an image of teapots and and me breaking the arm off. And it was very clearly I could see that we were the teapots and breaking the arm off one of the teapots, which was me, to try and get away. And um, I was like, so why the? I understood it didn't have to be that hard, you know. So I got what they were giving me. It's weird. It's like it maybe not makes sense to everyone, but somehow you kind of know what it means. And uh, I said, so what's up with the teapots? And I heard, so first it was the image, and then I heard, uh, that would be the pot calling the kettle black. And I was like, ah, yeah, okay, point taken. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so my my um, helpers, my non-physical helpers, also have a very good sense of humor, which I appreciate. And they are not beyond uh, trickery to get me to do something that will benefit me, which I'm okay with. Now, some people, you know, you interact with your angels or your high self, it's really however you choose to see it. Um, you interact with that in the medium that you prefer. So if you're a very staunch person and very serious, they're not going to be fooling around with you and, unless they're trying to get you to lighten up. They're not going to be fooling yeah. around with you and doing using trickery. you know. But for me, it's like, oh, yeah, funny, guys, funny, funny. <laughs> so I just have fun with it. I have fun with everything I do. Well, and I think that's wonderful. So, Asha, how has your art affected your spiritual evolution or how has your spiritual evolution affected your art? I love this question because both and both. Um, My art has affected my spiritual evolution because I used to only write to get the pain out of my body, right? Because that was the one way I could express. And um, that I, yeah, it's weird to think of it, but that really was the one way that I could express. And then one day I thought, wait a minute. I always... Artists have this fascination with the macabre. You know, they're like, oh, the pain is what makes me a glorious artist and and really ignites my creative spark. And then I thought, wait a minute, that's messed up. Wouldn't I be even that much more of an artist if I could um, 
be creative and be happy at the same time and write a happy song. And I was like, ooh, that would actually be maybe even a challenge. I don't know, you know, because I can't believe that I can only be creative and in my depths uh, when I'm in the dark depths, you know. And from that point, I started writing positive music and I still will touch the wounded spot. But then I like to show the healing and a different way of looking at it and, and what has served me to step out of those dark spots. Because I've had, a, you know, I've suffered from depression when I was younger um, and had some fairly traumatic experiences in my life. And, um, you know, if I can share that with someone else. So I reach out and I put in the hard words, the painful words, so that people know that I've been there. And I think that's why people connect with me, because when I sing, I go st- my goal is to go straight into the emotion, forget about the performance, really get back to the emotion and be present with it and then be present in the lifting up out of it. So it affected me by te- by also healing. I mean, I wrote one of my first songs was called High Joy because I was in I needed to get a divorce. I was in an abusive relationship and it was turning me into a shell of a human being. And you know, I just remember my minister at the time talking about high joy. And um, so I just wrote this song, you have to choose high joy, you have to choose high joy. And when I would sing it, it would heal. And so it's really hand in hand how um, the art has affected me and how my music has affected my spirituality as well. well. I think that's beautiful. Tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you, how they can find out more about your music and find out more about you. Well, luckily, there is no other Asha Lightbearer. So if you Google me, I am everywhere. Um, my website is www.asha, A-S-H-A, Lightbearer, L-I-G-H-T-B-E-A-R-E-R.com. And um, I have on there information about healing and music. Or um, Reverb Nation is a, like an artist site, a musician site. And they just redid all their press kits and all the stuff out there so if you go to reverb nation which is um reverb r-e-v-e-r-b nation.com and you put in asha Lightbearer, um you'll see my musician's profile and that's a great place to check out all the music it feeds in my blogs it feeds in my press and you can kind of get everything all in one spot that's wonderful so do you have any last thoughts for our listeners about how they can connect their own creativity to their expression of spirituality yeah um turn off your editor don't worry about making a mistake. You know, there are no mistakes. There are only um, opportunities to explore, and especially on creativity, because if you're not willing to make the mistake, you're never going to get to your most brilliant work, because when you're playing it safe, you're not in the creative zone. You're in the mental zone. So what I say, what my process is, take a deep breath, relax, just let everything go around you. Let the world go around you, and then just start dabbling whether it's art and paint or it's music just put your hands on the keyboard throw that paint on the canvas and see what comes out and you might say oh i don't like this or you might say oh my gosh that is amazingly beautiful i love this but if you're worried about playing it safe and worried about doing it right you'll never get to your most creative genius Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us today on the show. It's been just really a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. I had fun. And thank you to our listeners. I welcome your suggestions or comments on this or any of our shows. You can find links to all of our shows on Empower Radio and on our website, artasworship.net. Please come share your stories of art as worship on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash art as worship. 
Listen in next week as we talk with another artist about their creative process and how it connects with their spiritual journey. May you have an inspired and creative week. Namaste.